I don't have that mm-hmm. mental block of like, oh, I got to meet with my boss and explain the things that I've done this week because I'm responsible for them. No, I, it's me. You know, it's me and me. I, oh, let me call my boss. Can I get today off? Yep, you're off today, right? <laughs> That's the, the the truth of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I make friends, I, I do this with my Dude, friends. Like, can you go? My can boss you do is really on my ass right now. <laughs> but my buddies are like, we're hanging out. Like, hey, can you message your? Uh, can you tell us if you can do this on Friday? I, I go, hey, can you get today off? Oh wait, I have Friday off now. Okay, cool. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Ben, thanks for thanks for coming on the pod, dude. We uh, had a little bit of a pre-chat right before this episode, and we realized we were getting lost in the conversation. And we said, "Oh, we gotta we gotta start the pod." Um, I think it's a good time to start it. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so. Dude, so excited to have you on the pod. We've been saving you, actually, you know, because when we launched the podcast, we, we were like, hey, you know, could we have you on the pod? And then we realized, hey, let's get a little bit of traction first. Let's get our, our training wheels off and then we'll, we're ready for the big gun. So I think we're here. I think we're ready to roll. And um, I don't know if I'd like to be called the big gun. I feel like you guys are putting <laughs> expectation all the way up here and then I hope I deliver for it. But yeah. I appreciate it. I hope I can live up to the expectations too. Well, that's good. I think it's a it's a shared responsibility, but you know, we, we like to keep the pressure on. Um, <laughs> so in line with that, I, I think we're going to go ahead and start off the episode um, with a little little story. Uh, and we're going to flash back to 2022. Um, this is a uh, sort of a memory I have uh, of us sitting together at a table at, at a hotel in Colorado at a HackerOne life hacking event. Yep. And uh, I think this was a pretty rough time period in your life, and you were, you and I were collaborating together and talking about, um, you know, how to approach this target, and you were feeling a yeah. lot of insecurity and not confidence in the bug bounty journey, which is kind of crazy to me because I, I, you know, got into bug bounty watching your videos and seeing your content, and so I, I was glad to be able to be there for that time. But then I look back at that, that, and then I look at now, which is you know years later having just done a 500k year in bug bounty and i just wonder about that journey so i was wondering if you could take us back to that spot and then bring us forward to today yeah so i mean the table you were talking about it was me so me and you and i were working on some projects in the past yeah uh non-hacking related and then i kind of mm. like ghosted you and i and <laughs> got in person I was like, okay i owe this guy an apology so I, I was like hey like sorry i have to ghost you guys and you know there was context to it and i think uh at the time i was actually on the come out of that entire problem you know so i mm. a lot of people know this i i was married for a while and then uh before covid happened i was you know really struggling with like depression anxiety mm. Uh, mm. a lot of different issues and then in 2020 i went through a divorce and actually like joel i think was one of the first people that found out about the the breakup was just uh, i think i found out about some stuff in his life and then i messaged i was like mm. hey i heard you're going through some stuff and christmas is coming up what are you doing it's like oh i'm not going back home i'm gonna be you know in my area I was like, do you want to come hang out with me? We can just hang out. And like, I just got a puppy. You want to come meet my new dog? And uh, he came up and uh, funny enough, we put some uh, furniture together that we broke. And then I sent it back to the manufacturer. <laughs> we don't oh have to gosh. talk about that. But uh, yeah, um, I think before I can talk about that, though, um, there is a little bit to talk about the, 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 the what got me to 2022 where you and I yeah. sat at the table. Yeah, I'd like to hear that. I kind of told you about it, right? So about... um. 
2018, I want to say 2018, 2019 is when I got into content creation. I started with uh, with my live stream. This is when like the first live recon happened. Uh, yeah. I didn't have this beautiful office. I had a bunch Legendary of like Batman poses in the background because yeah, it was. But getting banned if, from Twitch. <laughs> uh, getting banned from Twitch. Yeah, uh, a lot of like different crazy stuff that happened, and um, you know. The, the big thing with, you know, that I also applaud you guys for doing is the consistency when it comes down to creating content. You guys are, you know, pushing out a con, you know, a, a podcast once a week. You're doing these calls. Uh, I, I just saw you guys doing a prep call, you know, before the podcast. I'm sure you guys spent hours before it. Mm-hmm. I want to say for every hour of content that you're making, you're putting into about five hours of work at least minimum, right? Mm-hmm. So now imagine yeah. that I'm doing four days of streams a week. I was streaming Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Monday. No way. And this is bef- oh my this gosh. is this is before we were stuck. This is before we were told we had to stay at home on Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays because of COVID, right? So I wasn't going yeah. out on Fridays in the morning. I wasn't going out Friday nights because I had to stream on Saturdays. I wasn't going out Saturday nights because I had to stream on Sundays, and I couldn't go do stuff with family on Sunday mornings because I had to stream. And when you do that, and you're away from family, you're away from doing the things that you love, and you have family members around you that miss you, friends that don't see you, everyone was like, "Oh, we can't see you this weekend because you have to stream," right? That was the go-to with wow. me. So I built up a lot of like pressure on the external people in my life that they wanted to see me and I couldn't see them. And I put like a lot so, of pressure. I couldn't travel anymore. Yeah. There's all these things, right? So I want to, I want to pause you. Go ahead, Joel. Yeah. <laughs> well, we both have so many <laughs> questions about time, this. One at a time. One at a time. One at a time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was going to say, I have a friend um, who I know uh, personally, he was not a streamer and he transitioned into now full-time streaming. He's been mm-hmm. doing it for about a year. And I've noticed this. I don't know how much it's affected him, but I was curious like what it felt like in the moment uh, for you, because I think like in the moment, it's very easy to just sort of be like, I'm growing, like things are going really well for this. I'm putting a lot of time and effort into this. Like it's working. I'm just going to keep doing that. And it's kind of easy to sort of justify the reasons for why the other aspects of your life sort of start to fall apart. Um, what, What was it like, like from your perspective, like, going into it like in hindsight it's easy to see like you know okay yeah i'm absolutely. spending too much time in it and energy on that i probably should have focused on family but like in the moment what was it what was it like from the inside um so the thing with me is i have a very addictive personality that i can control i can't control when it comes down to like the things that i enjoy doing like i can control when it comes to like drinking and partying and things i can control that part but when it comes down to like hacking you know, when you get that high of like success that you're getting, whether it's content, bug bounties, you know, whatever it is they're doing, that is the time that I can't control it at all. Mm. So at first it was bug bounties. You know, I was, you know, I was working full time. I was doing bug bounties and I took a break. I was like, okay, now I want to do content. But when you're hitting success, dude, it's hard to say no. It's hard to take a break. Yeah. Because, you know, with, with, with hacking, the thing that I really struggled with was every time I went out to hang out with my friends, that was, you know, six hours of going out. And then if I went out drinking, three hours of being hungover in the morning, that's about a nine hour of time that I lost that I could have made making bounties, right? Mm. Now, if I'm streaming every day, if I miss one day, people for, do people are quick to forget you when you stop yeah. making content. Yeah. I've you know, it's it's very hard to say no to doing things. And that's just one aspect of content that I've just talked about. There's more to you know how it changes your life. But just from a perspective of like success, it is really hard to say no when you're when your growth is like it's not even like slowly going up. It was just huge. I had a huge growth with mm. Twitch. Mm. I think I got like ten to fifteen thousand followers within a couple mm. with a year. Wow. And I had a huge community. I would tweet out, you know, random shit on Twitter and it would get a lot of attention. And I was just like, Holy crap, this is becoming real. It's, like it's people addictive. actually like and with dude twitch has one of the most engaged communities 
it is mm. insane how many people can you know support you have people interact with you they want to like be a part of your community i've never seen it like that and then when you come into that it's just hard to give up it's hard to like let go right yeah. um so just you know taking a pause you know there was times when i would take a like hacker one would say hey we're doing h1415 for example you gotta come mm. to san francisco i would take a weekend off but the whole time in my brain i'm going please don't drop my numbers when i go back next mm. week please you know i hope my regulars come back i hope my regular viewers come back or at least i get the engagement yeah. So it's really hard to say no to it. But the other thing that comes with content when you're doing streams is you're showing the authentic version of yourself. You cannot hide who you are when you're doing a stream. Mm -hmm. And that comes when you're doing technical content. It's harder. When I don't know a topic on stream, guess what? I'm going to look it up. Those mistakes you made that you're not you're inefficient, everybody sees it and everybody judges you. That's what people say. You don't want to meet your heroes. Well, and it's, a lot of it, got to meet your heroes. It's, it's you vulnerable know? too. You know, like you, you're going on there and you know that that's going to happen time and time again. All of us know, even the pros, that we have to, you know, still Google how to write a markdown link or like, you know, get the syntax right but in that's a specific the thing. thing though, so people don't yeah. see it that way. People yeah. thought, you know, I was getting. So some some top hackers were like very disappointed in how I was doing things on streams. I had messages of people that I call these elite hackers that yeah. I distant myself nowadays. That they're like, oh, you, this is how you do it. You didn't know how to do it on the stream. And I was like, no, I, I kind of know how to do it. But it's like, I'm also teaching things to people. So I was mm -hmm. doing a lot of like things in a, a Google sheet, for example, because, yeah. you know, yeah. people that was the early days and I didn't want to jump into bash right away. And then people were like, Oh, you don't know how to do basic mm. stuff. And I'm like, which one is it? Do I teach people or do I come up and be the super lead hacker that knows everything? Well, right. Even if, so that even if added you, pressure onto you, even if you don't, I mean, even if you do it a different way, that's a part of your unique hacker identity too. You know, there, there's no, there's yeah. no reason why somebody needs to come and say like, Hey, you don't know, like literally everything about bash. What's wrong with you? Because you know, that knowledge that they spent getting, you know, learning bash, you've spent somewhere else. Right. And and then yeah. you've got that, that sort of knowledge trade off on the other side. Um, and so it's never, never a good idea. You, you never like to see people shame uh, other hackers for, you know, lack of knowledge in some, in some areas. Cause you never know Know where that knowledge got traded to yeah i want to answer yeah. your original question go ahead yeah no well, well this with this actually there, we had a great discussion about this recently um and rezo brought up this xkcd called uh i think it's like one in ten thousand or something mm, mm. and it's basically like it's basically i don't know if this is how real this statistic is or whatever but it's basically that like every day like ten thousand adults like learn uh something like for the first time mm. um and if somebody hasn't heard about something for the first time, then they're, they're one in 10,000. Like that yeah. they're, you know, they're part of the statistic and just like, that's okay. Like that's going to happen. You're going to be part of that someday too, or you already have been. Mm. Um, I think the other aspect of it is like, there's so much emphasis to put nowadays on like being like a dictionary of, of things. And like, I can appreciate that to some extent, but I also think it's equally important to be able to like use the resources around you to find things without having to like know it explicitly. Yep. And that's mm -hmm. like relying on Google or like relying on your peers or bookmarks or notes or whatever to like help you find things so that you don't have to, cause your brain can only hold so much, right? Like yeah. you're gonna, you're gonna have to like start to exchange some knowledge out for other things and having systems that you can like find that and data in an efficient way is just as important. And that's that's one of the things that I think you did great on those streams, Ben, was like 
equipping people with the knowledge of how to go and get the information, you know, like even, even if you, you know, like you were just talking about, even if you don't know off the top of your head, oh, what is this syntax? Well, I'm just going to open the man page. Well, some people didn't know about man page. And now that you've just equipped them with that, that way. And as, as a, um, as a a mentor to a couple young hackers, one of the things I'm struggling with right now is how do I embed in in them that confidence that they can go find the technical piece of information yeah. they need to solve their problem, um, you know, without relying on a mentor. And, and that's one of the, the best things that, that, you know, you can do to equip a mentee, I think. Um, but yeah, sorry. So we got a little off topic going back no, to the I mean, question. The, the number yeah. one, the number one thing that I got on my streams always was it makes me feel good that a pro like this has to look up the most basic concept and my answer will be yeah. like, that's how it's supposed to be. Like, exactly. That's how it's supposed to be at all the time, right? And the people that tell you they don't look things up, and you know, I had people on my streams when I do the interviews, they're like, oh, I know this from the back of my head. I'm like, cool. Like, you're just storing shit in your back of your brain. That's yeah. you know, you're going to use once a year. I applaud it, but, it, you know, you learn things as you, you do it more and more. But I don't want to jump into the, I don't want to talk too much about their content piece of it because mm. I know people want to do all sorts of technical stuff. But yeah. the, the biggest thing that I, you know, I came across this, um, I came across this bit of a podcast. I, I wish I knew what podcast it was. Mm. I just remember the message from it that it was, uh, you know, when I was early in the days of like creating this brand and, you know, the name or whatever you want to call it was, if you want to become an online person or you're given two options, those two options are you either have to um, fully off yourself and unalive yourself of who you are and create this new persona and you know be this new person that you can you know, put up the charade, if you want to call it, and become this person that you are online and live it up you know, every day, day in and day out when you're on camera, or you have to amplify the crap, of, crap out of who you are personally. And people are either going to love you for it or they're going to hate you for it. And you have to be okay with it. And I took the approach of just being myself and, you know, being okay with being who I am. And I know a lot of people that don't like me for it. And I know a lot of people that have actually enjoyed seeing me who I am, seen my growth online and seen the things that I do. And that was the biggest change that I, and I applied and it helped a lot with uh, the personality. But I want to kind of, you know, I want to answer your question about like what happened in Denver, but I feel like we'll need to understand the context of what was going on 2018 to 2022 in my life where yeah. I had no social life. I had no, you know, my, my partner at the time was fed up with it and I had issues with her at the time too. And, you mm. know, I'm just mm. not spending any time with anybody because I want I wanted it bad enough. Right. And then get to 2022 COVID happens mm. and, you know, we're locked in now. I hadn't seen my parents in five years. I was supposed to see them. That's not happening anymore. My brother had a kid. I was supposed to go see the baby. That's not happening anymore. We're locked Oof. into the house and there's nothing happening. And on top of it, I'm going through a divorce while everyone's locked in in the house. So like, that's the reality of my life at the time. And luckily Rough, by 2022, dude. it's like literally, it's literally when I came out of it. And you know what the the really fucked up part about all of it is? Like, I hosted NahomCon, I hosted ActivityCon, I hosted all my streams with a smile on my face while on the inside, there was so many things that were happening that nobody even knew. And yeah. like I said, Joel was one of the people that knew about it. Uh, Joel came to the house and I could, you could see the state that I was in. But when I was streaming, nobody knew, dude. Nobody had a clue about what was happening on the ex- external of like, you know, from the, the optics of it. Nobody knew I was still going. I think uh, during HactivityCon, I think that was in September, a month before it, my old boss, Luke, you guys both know Luke, mm. he sat yeah. me down and was like, dude, you're not acting like yourself. What is going on? And that was like, you know, seven months into it. And I was Love like, that. well, since you're asking me, dude, uh, he's like, you're not acting like yourself. You're like, uh, you know, short temper. That's not who you are. You're very mm-hmm. you know, you're not friendly as you used to be. You're, mm-hmm. you're lacking decision making has been like noticeable. Like, cause I'm quick to say, this is what we're doing. I guess how we're going to do it. 
And he's like, what's going on? And I was like, okay, now I got to tell somebody. So I saw that with him, then, you know, a couple of coworkers and then more friends and more, you know, more people. Yeah. So, so, you know, at, at that point you were starting to let some of this out. And, and I know, I think one of the things that is, is tempting as a content creator is to, not let that vulnerability, you know, be seen, right? Not, 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 you know, put on that, that facade, put on that happy face, but yeah. it really, it does, you know, you got to show up as a human each day to these things, but you're also, it'll Absolutely. eat you away, away, like you were saying. And I'm wondering, um, you know, in the midst of all this, uh, of these stressors, in the midst of a divorce, in the midst of, um, you know, some depression, in the midst of the, the, the pressure of, or the, um, the pressure of streaming all the time, how did this affect yeah. you as a hacker? Because before this, you were really, really, you know, going really hard on all these programs and, and you had had a, oh, did we lose them? There we go. Um, <clears throat> before this, uh, you had been going really hard uh, as a hacker and hacking a lot of programs. But if you're streaming, you know, four days a week and you're not allowed to find vulnerabilities live on the stream, you know, it's mostly just focused on recon. How did this, yeah. how did this affect your methodology and how did this affect you as a hacker? So partially one of the reasons, actually one of the videos I'm going to make soon is about I quit. I was going to say I quit, you know, uh, streaming and this is why. Because yeah. people ask me like, when are you coming back? I, I'm not going to ever go back. Yeah. I, I'm never going to go back to doing live recon probably ever again. Because when you're doing these like no vulnerability practices every week, what you practice is what becomes your reality. Well, you're not exactly. That's what I'm thinking, right? I'm like, oh no. Yes. <laughs> Especially when it's like recon and like, I'm one of those people that loves like data, man. Like I mm. love looking at um, these data that I find from companies and like snooping around a company's infrastructure. It's fun. It's all fun and games, but it's not, it doesn't translate to money. Mm. So I want to do streams. I'm, I mean, I'm thinking about what I get back to making streams and all that stuff, but it's not going to be the recon stuff because I'm not finding vulnerabilities. I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. I've hit mm. this roadblock and I feel like, I know a lot of people that have learned from these streams, but I don't want to keep doing that for the new people. You can go rewatch. I'm going to maybe do a couple of them and put them on YouTube for people to watch, mm. but it's just, you're not finding vulnerabilities and that becomes your reality of it. And I kind of want to say ever since I stopped doing it, I've gotten better at with what I want to do with it as a hacker, but I also don't want to believe that because I was doing okay when I was doing those streams. It's just, I got too comfortable. Mm. Yeah. I think this is a really common pattern actually that you see. I mean, I, I can think of multiple cases within the security industry alone where you've seen this, but people get they they get known for a niche and they go, okay, this is my niche, and Absolutely, yeah. that it, that's them for the next forty years. And they, that's they, any they industry, just, right? It's not just yeah. With right, us. Like, yeah, any industry. It's not even just security, right? But like, yeah. I I can think of examples everywhere, including in security, where this happens, and it's really easy because once you become known for something when somebody goes, Hey, do you know somebody for this thing? Your name's going to come up mm. and like, yep. you have like instant recognition. You have like association with being like a top person within like some certain like pillar or whatever. And like, people know your name, people know that you're like known for this thing, yep. but it's really hard. One, it's really hard to expand that the knowledge. So like at a certain point, like, you know, there's another XKCD about learning, but it's like, you know, the, the learning curve is like, Joel just lives in, the beginning, in the beginning, you're learning like, <laughs> inverse log whatever you, you're right. learning like a ton like yeah. right in the first like you know a couple months first year or two whatever and then like by year 20 you know it's like half a percent over the uh, over the last like decade yep. right and so that same thing is true when you're like focusing 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 on some niche where you're 
now like an expert in this thing, but there's only so much room for growth for knowledge within that. Like you can maybe do some groundbreaking research. Maybe there's some some new stuff to, to expand on, but a lot of it is like marginal gains in, in, in overall experience and overall knowledge. And mm. instead, if you just branch out into something new, you start that curve over again. Mm. And so mm. the key is what you're doing, right? Which is like push yourself. Don't like stick to what's comfortable. Don't stick to the things that you know, but like take those things, push into new fields that you're not as familiar with, push into new techniques that you're not as familiar with so that you can keep yourself on your toes and keep yourself from falling into that sort of that comfort zone. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like with recon, it's just rabbit hole after rabbit hole, dude. It's like you just find these things you're obsessed about. And when do you give up? Like, when do you stop? Right. right. Mm. So just automate the boring task. If you know how to find some vulnerabilities automatically, make them a freaking Chrome job and have them just alert you on Discord or alert you on mm. Slack and mm. become your, you know, your, your, your cash cow and learn other things. It's just, I would be 100% correct. Once you become, I was becoming like, you know, I was doing stuff with bug bounties and then I was becoming very big in recon and I didn't enjoy recon anymore. It's like everyone that I was like, oh, when are you doing live recon again? Oh, I love your li live recon. Mm. Like that's the only thing that a lot of people like knew me for where, you know, I did a lot of stuff in the web and I realized with like bug bounties alone, uh, I wasn't making a lot of money from recon. I was making money from finding good stuff, but I wasn't making money from automation, right? I had really good data a lot of time. Yeah, that yeah. People didn't have. And and that that brings me back to one of my favorite quotes that we've had on on this podcast so far, which was Jason Haddock's episode twelve. He said, "The point of recon is to find more apps to hack." You know, and and I think that's yeah. that's just a great point. Is like at the end of the day, you yeah. know, you can do these recon finds um, and that sort of thing. But the best bang you're going to get for your buck is finding apps, and then drilling deep into those uh, those apps and finding the bugs. And yeah. and so <clears throat> yeah. And in light of that, I kind of there's two areas where we could go from here, um, both which are. Re related to some content you've released re recently, uh, and, and principles okay. you've been kind of talking about in this in this uh, uh, content, the first of which is the switch from recon to manual, um, and and we've seen this a lot in in a lot of the different. Um, top hackers uh, where there used to be a lot more of a focus on on recon um, and now there's more of a focus on manual hunting as you were making that switch you know in the in the middle you know so did this switch occur in 2022 when you were coming out of that scenario or is this something that happened a little bit later and how did that transition occur for you the transition didn't really happen because of like the the content so much. Like the mm. con the, the the streaming was a big part of it, right? Yeah. But it just happened. I needed a change. Like yeah. it wasn't just with hacking. I needed everything to change. So I I was changing my personality to some extent. My you know my my appearance. I like go into the gym and like dieting and things like mm -hmm. that. My hacking style, like everything that I did. I just wanted to recreate who I was as a person. And mm -hmm. even though my personality is and my you know hacking, but hacking was a part of my personal online. Yeah. That's what it is. And I really had to figure out what I wanted to do. And I sat down and went through all of my reports. Well, how was I making so much money between the years of 2015 or 2014 and 2018. Well, A, I wasn't a manager. I wasn't a senior manager at Hacker One. That took a lot of time. But B, I was just niching down in one single program. At the time, it was Airbnb, a couple of the private programs. But a lot of times, and then I looked at the recon bugs that I was finding. The recon bugs that I was finding wasn't so much of having it's now these like nuclei templates and things that were automated it was just like i was the first to find an asset or i was the first to um you know find a functionality or even like i found an asset that people just looked over but it was just mm. you know people knew about it but no one found vulnerabilities in them mm. those were my strengths 
and with bug bounties, I, I really want to tell people like the biggest things you have to find what your strengths are. There is no wrong and right with what you do. If your strength is to be really good at recon, then that's your that's your niche. Good for you. You have to go do that. But if you're you know, you want to be a web app hacker, you want to be good at ha- you know breaking apart vulnerabilities in a web application. If you're good at you know previous bugs, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you're good at, and some people are shit at it. Mm. You should be okay with that. And I had you know being a, being a top hacker I had a problem with like. Well, I don't want to be this person that's not, you know, doesn't know these vulnerabilities, but you know, I don't want to be the elitist anymore. I don't want to be this like top hacker. I just want to make money, make, do something I could do, you know, good with and teach people how I do the things that I do. So now I make the content of things that I enjoy doing mm. and if people want to watch it, perfect. And if they don't, they don't. I no longer care to justify being a top hacker anymore. Right. And that's become so yeah. easy now. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that that's- I awesome. had a lot of this with mobile hacking as well, where like for a long time, I associated and a lot of like my identity was associated with like being the mobile hacking guy and like that's cool like it it was awesome for a while but then I grew to a point where I was like I want to be doing more than that and kind of for like the same reason you were talking about like I didn't want to fall into this niche where like that just became like the only thing I did and like I don't think I think mobile hacking is probably big enough where it's not like a small niche you know where like you could still probably make a a ton of money and there's like a lot of research and stuff you can do there. But I just want like the, I felt like there was just more that I I could be doing. And so I started to like push away from that. But it was such a rough learning experience because like I had been used to like, you know, things coming very easily with like all the mobile hacking stuff because I've been doing it for so many years. And then it was like starting this this different type of hacking. And I was like, oh, wow, this is like running into a brick wall. Like what <laughs> what, what do I even do? Like and just like it really like took me for a loop because it, it was such a learning experience of like adjusting my hacking flow and how I was approaching things to be less targeted towards like what I was used to and more targeted towards things I wasn't. Mm. I think the biggest thing that people like, I feel there's a, when, when you become, when you get into hacking, I think everybody wants to make it to a certain point, right? You made it with mobile hacking. Justin, you have done a bunch of stuff. I can't even name one for you, but you have gone through these phases <laughs> of doing things, right? But yep. everybody at some point is going to hit a blockade of things they do with their niche you hate you know you hit it with mobile you didn't enjoy it or you learn everything about it whatever the reasoning was i think pivoting as a whole for us as humans regardless of what we do in our life in our careers with hacking with whatever we do in life pivoting is a huge thing and a lot of Mm. people don't want to do that that includes me Mm. i have a hard time going out of my comfort zone Mm. but since i've started pivoting to different areas whether it's with my content making you know inspirational content technical content Mm. whether it's doing apps i never hacked on before collaborating with new hackers putting myself out there it's worked out because that's a part of who you are but that's a part of it right yeah, no, that, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, so, I want to double so click. I actually that. wanted to go ahead, Joel. No, you go ahead. No, no, no. Uh, you were ahead because I was going to turn this a whole other way. I was going to say I, w- I want to double click into that for just a second and and talk about a yeah. little bit how you did that from a technical perspective. So I know, um, you know. Largely recon and web oriented, you know, in the beginning, and then now you're kind of pivoting a little bit. Over this past year, you mentioned that you found some vulnerabilities in desktop apps and other contexts. Yeah. Um, how did you? How did you cut your teeth with that? How did you get into it? Well, I was pushed into it, right? So mm-hmm. two of the instances. One of them was um, the LA event 
we can't mm. talk about the company. That was yeah. a big event, right? And yeah. there was a small web portion of it, but most of it wasn't web. Exactly. And that forced my hand. I didn't know anything about that niche of like hardware hacking at all. Mm. That forced my hand to learn stuff or in mobile hacking as, as an example. I didn't know a whole mm. lot about mobile hacking. I knew a little bit about like just, you know, what you can do with a mobile app. You just, you know, um, intercept your traffic and that's it. But I never did more than that. That mm. really pushed my hand to do more, mm. right? But then uh, I, I found zero bucks at that event. I showed up. I refused mm. to do the web stuff. You know, I, mm. I was like, no, no way. I'm going to look at the web stuff. And then I realized people were making money from the web, you know, portion of it, which is fine. But then the London event happened. Mm. And this London event was another two programs that everybody has looked at them for years at a time. But there is a reason why they're doing a life hacking event. These companies aren't doing a life hacking event for no reason. There is more to hack on. There's definitely more vulnerabilities. Absolutely. And and me, as someone who has been at almost every life hacking event with these companies, I've learned there's always about two to six thousand, two to six hundred thousand dollars of bounties coming out every freaking time when there's companies that come back, right? Yeah. And it happened again. Those companies paid about you know a million dollars in bounties. So those pushed me, and I was like, okay, if everybody's gonna look at this London event, that one of the customers, everyone's gonna go after the web applications, and everyone's gonna struggle with finding easy vulns. How do I change that? approach right mm. how do i find these cool bugs within the context of the desktop app yeah those are the reasons why it pushed me right mm. so so w when you're looking at so in this scenario you decided to go after the desktop app um and and you you said okay i'm going to start looking into this i know you ended up teaming up with shmuel as well and alex chapman two two yep. people that have yep. uh you know that are pro in in the desktop app space um how much of that was would you say collaboration based stuff versus you just kind of sitting down cutting your teeth on on desktop apps reading as many as much documentation as you can um versus like combining multiple different skills from different hackers together you bringing your web expertise them bringing their desktop expertise and and creating a, a wonderful result <laughs> funny enough um the collaboration didn't happen until the last four hours of that event entirely on day two so i have this vulnerability in this you know desktop app uh, I couldn't exploit it. Uh, we couldn't figure out what to do with it. I'm sitting out inside looking at the door. It's me, a couple other hackers, and God bless his soul, Sam Curry, the LZ sitting right, right next to me. And he's like, you guys know how Sam is. He's very mm. quiet. He just makes, yeah. he has these comments he makes very randomly, right? So I'm sitting here, I'm like, dude, I, ha I know I can RCE this bug, but I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I have this bug. We don't know what to do. I think you were maybe at the table yeah. too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I was maybe around. Was yeah. And then you say something about, um, well, why don't you go find someone to work with? And then Alex is walking in at this time. Alex Chapman <laughs> is just literally walking. Shmuel is sitting right here next to me. And then Sam goes, yeah, Alex is walking. I want you to go talk to him. Maybe he, I bet you he can exploit it. I go and do that with Shmuel and we exploit it. And I think I put Sam on that bug for like a 5 or 10%. As yeah, a, of as course. Like five years <laughs> three, right? <laughs> but the, 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 the point of the story is like, it wasn't like the collaboration was planned. I was mm -hmm. working on a bunch of different vulnerabilities. You know, I, you know, I found stuff like... Um, so the back to the story for this customer was there was a lot of CSP limitations. You couldn't bypass CSP a lot of times. And this I is think within no one the was desktop able to app, bypass. Right? Yep. But also yeah. on the desktop, uh, on the web, on the mobile, on the core web app of this company, there's a CSP that no one could bypass. Mm. I found a way to bypass the limitations, which I can talk about in a little bit. Mm. But I kept finding these like HTML injections. Like I could insert hyperlinks and then mm. I would do SMB tricks, but I couldn't because, you know, you can use only one slash. If you do two slashes, it wouldn't work, right? Sure, sure, sure. So I have all these, I have all these different vulnerabilities, but I can't explore a single thing except I find a bypass 
within um, the desktop app or in the, the, the mobile app or even the web app that you could do a meta refresh but instead mm. of doing two slashes, you can do a backslash, backslash, and your Chrome browser or your browser actually translates that to slashes. So the limitation of doing two slashes with SMB, you can do two backslashes with SMB to do an SMB connection for an RCE. Right. When you're doing a meta refresh, you can do a backslash, backslash, site.com, and it refreshes the entire web page to another one. In the context of a web app, doesn't worth isn't worth anything, right? Right. But in the context of a desktop app, you can now control that entire uh, uh, desktop app that you're working on and you can do whatever you want with it. And we, we, need to, we want to go to the next phase of it. And just having that bypass is what made it sweet. I know three other hackers who had that vulnerability that couldn't exploit it and no one reported it except one of them was like, hey, I knew this. You know, can we collaborate? And we collaborated with him. And then um, Chapman was able to exploit it fully. Wow, dude, that's amazing. So, so to recap that, there you're finding an HTML injection inside of the the desktop app. I don't know. I imagine it's like an Electron app or something like that. And then, yep. and then you're you're using that HTML injection along with a meta tag to refresh and use backslashes and instead of slashes. Now you're on your attacker controlled page inside the app, and now you you've you've gained control of the application. And then Mr. Chapman took it from there. Yeah. And those are the things that I talk about, right? Like, you know, there are so many HTML injections that you can you can have HTML injections on this app, but nobody for some reason thought about the the meta refresh. The, yeah. the problem with the slashes on this particular app was you can't do URLs because a double slash transits to a URL, a website to them, mm, so mm. they didn't allow it. The access would save their ass. So that was a you know the example of saying pivoting, right? It's okay, this web application, I had a web app bug that got paid really decently. Uh, it was a cool bug, but this this particular one was the, the highest bounty I've gone in a laughing event, I feel like. Wow. Right? And it's just pivoting from, I think it was, uh, I want to say it was a 40K bounty. Yeah. They didn't want to give us, the, they didn't give us critical, they gave us high because we couldn't uh, prove full RCE, but they knew it's exploitable and they you know they honored it as a high. Yeah. But that's the, the, the point of pushing yourself out of your boundaries right it's just mm. going okay i know web i know this electron apps are pretty much like web applications but you have more there's more impact if you can exploit them than a you know the traditional xss and if there's csp in place you yeah. have the ability of abusing other functionality that's not you know xss particularly so, if that makes I, sense. I guess i guess in the scenario the the thing you were talking about that allowed you to get around csp that was the meta connect thing there wasn't some other Correct. thing that allowed you to get around csp or nope. okay it was just a meta connect because yeah. now you can point it to another website that you control and you can put whatever you want on there and if you have if you have xss and if you have javascript in that context for an electron app it doesn't matter mm. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, matter so. where the JavaScript is being executed from, as long as you need, a, you know, you're calling the right functions to download and execute a file, right? Wow, that's awesome, man. So, so you used HTML to redirect the whole page, and that's pretty much Correct. the the only thing I can really think of that does that is the meta tag. The only other thing that I can think of is maybe that, like with an iframe, uh, you know, getting yep. able to iframe another page in and then execute it. But then that wouldn't be the top level page; it would be a sub page. Correct. So, um, we can do hyperlinks, but when you do a hyperlink, also sometimes. It opens up an actual web browser, right? Because those are the ah. things that I looked at. I was like, okay, what if I make a hyperlink? But no, the easiest route was the SMB stuff. You just do an mm. SMB to your box, and then that's like automatic RCE usually. But none of that yeah. was working. And I really wanted to. I really. This was like one of the first live hacking events that I was actually participating. It's my like second mm. or third at this point, right? Mm. And I really wanted to find something cool, yeah. um, and just pushing myself to out of out of my comfort zone. It's not super out of your comfort zone, but it's just. 
I don't know a thing about Electron apps at this point. I don't know. I, I'm not, you know, big on JavaScript either. Like I'm just learning things as I go. But just doing that, it just opened up a whole different world for me, dude. Yeah, no, that that totally makes sense. So the last question I had with regards to that is like, and I, I don't know if you can talk about it without giving away too many details, but I'm wondering where your your source was for this. You know, you're syncing. You know, obviously you're you're manipulating the DOM inside the app, um, but in a desktop application context, uh, you know. How are you passing data into the app? Is this something that you you put into the web application and then it popped up in the in the desktop app, or is this yeah. like a, a scheme, a custom URL scheme that they registered, or what? No, it was actually one of your user details that showed ah. up on the app a lot. Um, so you could put your I, I don't know what it was. It may have been like a signature, a username, mm, sure, or sure, whatever sure. your name, your something like that. Right? One of the one of the profile attributes we'll call it right. And it was coming up in this specific page, but um, it was only in this page that it would actually pop up the HTML. So a lot of times, like, you know, another thing that I see with XSS is people are quick to jump to an alert, right? Everyone's just yeah. like, image source alert, right? Mm -hmm. My go-to isn't that. My go-to is just the underline H1 test one, two, three. Yep. Just because I want I want HTML injection. I don't care because once you have HTML injection, it opens up a whole different world of things you can do, whether it's mobile, whether it's web, whether it's, uh, you know, just uh, these uh, binaries, for example, desktop apps, right? Mm -hmm. I just care about the HTML injection. Yeah. So but, seeing that pop was step one. Okay. Now you go to the mobile, you go to the web app, or you go from the web app to the desktop app. Is it also vulnerable here? But then mm. that connected me to a bunch of different things because then I also realized some of the things I wasn't rendering on the web app was rendering in the desktop app as an HTML attack, ah, right? Wow. So okay. that opens up a lot more. Same thing with mobile. You, you put something... So many of the bugs that I found this year were exclusively only popping up on this mobile application and not on the web this, uh, web version of it. Wow. Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, sort of how this speaks to sort of your your overall hacking methodology. Um, and and I think this is maybe a good time to start to like talk about sort of like how you approach targets. I'm sure you've talked a, a bunch about this on your on your streams and on your videos never. and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never. Yeah, talk about hacking. I don't think you've ever done that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but like it sounds like a lot of it sort of comes from very like simple, straightforward testing, right? Like underline H1, ASD123, like yep. look, just spray and pray. And like how how much further than just like that payload are you are you testing before like Obviously, when you see something that's like HTML injection, you're going to follow up on that. But how much are you modifying your payloads? Like, how how much will you test one field? Like, do you spend all day on one page, or what, how fast are you switching between stuff? Can you walk me through um, that a little bit? Depends. Yeah. So a lot of times, like, I think it's pattern recognition. I think like 99% of bug bounties is I don't care what you say is pattern recognition. You mm -hmm. you identify a pattern of mistakes with a particular company mm -hmm. and you just exploit the shit out of it. That's what it is. That's the reality <laughs> of it, right? Yeah. Uh, so if I know a company is, you know, um, good, I, I know that XSS is a big part of like their issues, then I'm probably spending more time fuzzing specific fields, but it's, I don't change the the input that I put in that often. It's it's one thing that I put. It's like a couple of you know, different quotes, different encrypting, different um, uh, HTML entities or something like that, for example. Mm -hmm. It's just a bunch mm -hmm. of different characters that I put in as a polygon, for example. And I put it in there and I analyze or overanalyze the shit out of it until I move on to the next field. But mm. a lot of times, I'm trying to explain how to say this. So it's the same payload until it fires up, right? 
then mm. what you do next is different based on the target, based on your end right. goal, what mm. you're going to do with it. Like you want to, you want to do an XSS or maybe you can push into the PDF, for example, or maybe you can push this into some server side stuff and you can do blind XSS. Then that objective changes, right? Mm. But a lot of times it's the same payload that I put in just to see how the, the application is going to react to my user input. Mm-hmm. That, that That's really interesting mm. because so testing those behaviors, yeah. there's, yeah. there's like this concept of, a poly like a benign polyglot payload right because if you look up xss polyglot you'll kind of see you know all sorts of javascript urls and Mm -hmm. you know weird comments and text 15 different ways to write script yeah exactly and (laughs) those i don't use yeah that's not what i use though i'm saying just just Mm. uh i make my own it's like my own homemade few tags few characters Things that I know is going to break out of an input field, it's going to break out of a script tag, it's going to break out of a text area, mm. it's going to break out of X, Y, and Z. And then looking yeah. at the DOM, I spend a lot of time chasing those. The reason why I do like test one, two, three, four is because I chase that test one, test one, two, three within the DOM and see where it all shows up, right? That's a yeah. lot of things that if you just put like a, if you just put test, test not an easy thing to chase, but if you do test one, two, three, four, something very unique to you, then it's, it's easier it to you know, follow up. Yeah, no, that, that's great, and it really makes sense on on why you would do the you know benign payloads, but also have the polyglot. So it is a really good exercise for the listener, you know, it, to go look at what the polyglot payloads are out there are doing in particular, and right. why they have to be as complex as they are, and then simplify them down to to make a a polyglot that works only in the HTML injection context that doesn't have the goal of cross-site scripting because the first step to getting cross-site scripting is getting HTML injection in you yes, know X, X amount of the scenarios. Obviously, you've got to account for the location-based uh, syncs or whatever. But um, I think that's a really a really great piece. And, and it, you know, it, not using a polyglot and just using double quote H1, you're going to miss yep. stuff. You know, and if, if you use the polyglot, you're going to miss stuff. So you got to find that nice, sweet, sweet spot where you're not getting too verbose and you're not being too simple either. But there's also two things to that. One is if you put like, you know, very obvious HTML tags, sometimes it gets filtered. So the mm. objective isn't just to get HTML injection in there. It's also to break out of whatever current context you're in. Mm. Because there's going to mm. be times where I put my payload in it, it breaks out, but the filtering takes out some of the HTML or the filtering actually helps me break out of it because it's taking things out and putting it uh, together. It's replacing or, or whatever. It's converting yeah. it. It's replacing converting it, right? So that's a big part of it. But I also want to, you know, you know, I want to really kind of like caution people of this also. Like when you put something like a script or if you put event handlers in there, it might just strip out the entire string you gave it. By default, mm-hmm. it's gonna say, "Oh, I see, I see bad. I'm gonna take it all out, right?" So that's why yeah. the, the, the the reason why I do it is the particular order, particular way, just to see can I break out of this before I even think about exploitation? Can I yeah. break out of this thing that hints to me like, "Hey, this is a vulnerability here," and look at it? I was, I was yeah. thinking, and this kind of goes back to what I was. Well, I was gonna say this kind of meant like the the whole like dictionary encyclopedia thing I was talking about. And you mentioned rabbit holes as well. Like, I feel like all these things sort of play together where it's so easy to like fall down an infinite rabbit hole of just like, you could test every possible, every payload, everything on one field. And you can do that for every single field, uh, but you have to draw the line somewhere. Um, Do you have like a spot where you draw that line? Like, where do you, where you decide like, Um, okay, I think this is like enough testing on on this settings panel or whatever. uh, I feel like by the dictionary, by the the definition of dictionary, I may be considered as insane (laughs) because Mm -hmm. a lot of times I keep repeating the same thing that's not like doing anything for me. 
and then like suddenly it works because you know back it didn't work three months ago and now it works suddenly because they made a change in the code right <laughs> so i feel by definition i may be a little crazy but i don't have a you know it's not like i'm sitting here going oh i spent like four days on this thing because yeah. i feel like one there's there's your instincts right that says i know there is something here right like you you, you have this instinct that like it comes after years of experience that you go, I can feel there's something here. And then you, maybe you don't explode it and somebody else does, right? And you go, fuck, I could have done that or I should have done that. So I should have tested for it. So I, for that reason, I spent a lot of time. It goes back to my my personality being like addicted to wanting to do these specific way. Mm. But then that, that's why I get burnt out sometimes. It's because I'm spending, spending, you know, countless days on the same thing over and over and over again. And then suddenly I have this, my ADHD kicks and it's like, okay, let's jump around a little bit. So no, if there is, if there is a particular like portal or a settings page or something that looks really fishy, I'm going to throw a bunch of things at it. So my thing goes, I'm going to try everything I know, everything I know in the diction, you know, in my, in the books, in my tricks, in my sleeve, I'll, everything I try. Then I, I share that with my inner circle, right? Mm. If I'm not mm. collaborating with them a lot of times, you know, if I'm doing something solo, then I go, yo, I found this thing. I think Justin has gone a bunch of like random mm. shit. You, even you, Joel, have some like random stuff over time mm. that I'm like, dude, I smell a vuln here. Like, can you like look at it and then they, they throw me ideas, right? Like mm -hmm. they give you things that you didn't think about or it may be like an idea and then I do that. Then it's when I go, okay, I'm going to open source this and I go on Twitter, I go, I have this thing. I think you've seen like a bunch of times I tweet these things. I go, I'm fighting this thing. These are the things I've tried. Give me your best shot and then people give me ideas and then I just give up at some point. Yeah, But I yeah. have to go through that list to make sure I've covered it because a lot of times... I've learned with the life hacking events, I look at it, I go, well, son of a bitch, I could have, I should have tested that. Yeah. 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 I, I will say nowadays it's great because during the show and tell, I'd say like earlier on in the live hacking cycle, I would see the show and tells and I'd be like, oh, I should have tested that thing. Mm -hmm. But like, I just didn't. And yeah. like, that's why I missed it. Now it's like, I should have tested that thing and there's no way in hell I would have tested what they just tested to get that yep. bug. So good on them. <laughs> like, but, but also the other thing is like, <laughs> but for me also the other thing of it is that sometimes I sit and I go, well, good for them. Like, at least somebody figured it out or this bug would have yeah. gone to waste, right? Like I said that I go, damn, I should have tried that. But then at least somebody figured it out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. For sure. So, so from there, I, I kind of want to continue in going down this path of hacking methodology, and then we'll we'll bounce around a little right. bit into some technical stuff, into some, uh, I guess, bug bounty related statistics. But, um, okay. So, it, it, basically, what you what you just said, it sounds like you're a little bit more of a thorough hacker. We we one of the questions we ask a lot on the pod is like, how soon do you jump around before you? you know, if you haven't found a bug, how long do you give a program? Um, and, and so it sounds like if you're throwing your whole hat of tricks at it, you know, it, it might take a little while. Is that accurate or? It honestly depends. Um, it, all, it all depends on my workload, to be honest. Ah. Like it depends on what I got going on that week. So there's times when, you know, when like a life hacking event, there is no, there's no giving up because the life hacking event coming up, right. there's a lot, there's a lot for grabs. And then, it's like a personal vendetta. Like I need to ma make this work. I want to have a bug. I want to you know, exactly. contribute to this event, right? Th that's a different story. But with like, with the programs that I have, when I become very selective, I just, I select programs that I know, A, it's going to pay me enough. It's going to be worth the, you know, the, the three days of not finding rules or three weeks of not finding rules on going down this rabbit. Damn it. Sorry. <laughs> going, 
I like that it has its own like effect for it. it it's co- like I, when my camera dies, it's not nearly that cool. It, yeah. <laughs> it just dies. Yeah, for some I've now figured how to get this out of idle for every thirty minutes. It does that's, this. That's hilarious. Yeah, for those of you listening, his, his camera is going off. Uh, you know, into rainbow mode every, every once minutes. in a while. Um, um, uh, yeah, but yeah, Sorry, it, it all depends. Like you know, it depends on it depends on my workload. But with live hacking events, there is no stopping. And then there are times where a a company comes up that I really want to hack on, right? So mm. I'll give an example. Um, I got asked to do a presentation for this company. Um, they have a web app, mobile app, desktop app. And I had a month and a half to prepare for it. But naturally, I was traveling, live hacking events, life, whatever. I have a week. That whole week, I did not stop until I found the phone the night before the presentation. Yep. There's no stopping until that goal happens. I don't have a, I wish I had a good way of saying this is where I draw the line. It all comes down to my workload. If I know that tomorrow I have to make content, the next day I have to do X, Y, and Z, and then I have to travel to somewhere else, I'm probably going to give up within the, you know, my, when my first three days are up. Like I spent two, three days on this app, nothing happens, time to move on, time to cut my losses. But if it's an, if it's a company I've hacked on in the past, I've had good results with, then I pushed out more and more yeah. because I know I've gotten a bounty from this company before. I know their patterns of mistake. I'm willing to spend more time because I know the ROI is there. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, when you've established a, a relationship with a company and even three days is, is pretty long for, uh, some of the researchers that we've talked to where, uh, what did I always think Douglas is hilarious. Douglas is like, if I don't find a bug in like three hours, then I normally just move on. And I'm like, what, what the heck are you like, what are you doing, well, man? He's I mean, like, yeah, the three days, like three hours a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the thing though. That, that, that depends on the three days. Cause the, the three days isn't like I'm doing eight hour days. Right. It's, you know, the first day I'm doing, you know, the first four, you know, the way I look at it is like the first four hours is really like, what the fuck am I doing? Exactly. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. What is this app? What am I supposed to do? What are the yeah. patterns of mistakes? I'm just plugging things in and just observing and like taking in everything that the application does. It's the second funny. day is like, yeah. okay, now you're really, now you're getting, I'm getting pissed off, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go a little bit harder <laughs> to find, I'm going to like extend my attack surface as we call it, right? <laughs> then the That's third great. day is like, okay, dude, like, Either I fucking find something today or I just don't, I, I give up. I'm fucking done. Oh and I feel gosh. like you guys seen this in a lot he's, of your groups, right? He's pounding the table too. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, dude, 100%. And, and I think it's funny you mentioned four hours because that's kind of, that's exactly the same length of time that I always allot for, for that first little bit is like, all right, the first four hours or so, I'm just trying to figure out what this app does, how, how to use right. it, you know, reading the documentation, yep. stepping through it. You know, I have no expectations of finding bugs within the first four hours of hacking. And then after, after that, you know, it, like you said the stages continue to grow where it's like if i haven't found anything by day three i'm like you know really having a vendetta against this app um so that's that's hilarious that we're we're both signed up on that same front so there's i looked it up online it's the there's four stages of anger it's annoyed frustrated <laughs> hostile and enraged i don't get to enraged unless it's required i just that's looked it hilarious. up i stopped at the third level so and i think it kind of described it pretty well at this point so mm, uh yeah so so <laughs> I, I, actually i i, I want to go back and talk about that because you said you know sometimes you're working for four hours um i struggle especially with having another thing right having the podcast to 
to, because yeah. I need contiguous time. I need, you know, long periods of time where I can stay focused and hack. I can't hack for an hour, then go do something, then come back, hack for an hour, then go do something, come back, hack for an hour. Um, do you have that same experience? And how do you balance hacking with content creation? Like, do you lot certain days of the week or do you, do you, you know, just hack after a certain time or how does that work? Yeah. So a day, a day in life, I'm not home sick. A day yeah, in life for seriously. me, it's like usually I, you know, like I wake up, I, I do my, they think, I, so funny enough, I don't consider hacking something that takes a lot of brain power because sure. I feel like once you sit down on your computer, you're an autopilot, right? Like, mm. you know what to do, you know, you know, you, it, it's your, it's your, the comfort thing for me. I, I get mm. comfortable with hacking, right? Yeah. So morning is like all the calls, all the meetings, you know, working with the, with the stuff that I'm building, working on content, you know, emailing, community shit, whatever you want to call it, right? That's what I do mm. in the mornings. It's mm. my first, you know, eight to noon, maybe eight to two sometimes. Then at about two o'clock is when I want to switch. So I go to the gym usually for about an hour. Then I come home, maybe take an hour off. I mean, you know, I, I, I go to like a hot, my hot tub or I shower. Yeah, and like, hot tub spot, house. let's go. Hot tub. <laughs> I feel well, like I'm the only hacker without a hot tub. Joe, why, don't you, why don't you come over and we'll redo this episode at one point from my hot tub? This has got Dude, one too. I love that. I love that. We'll do a hot tub. But, but I, I have a disconnect of a, of a shift in my you know in, in my brain. I shifted over to something else. Whether I'm doing a pen test, I'm bug bounty hunting or mm. whatever. Mm. That's the case for like my regular days. That doesn't include life hacking events. But a lot of times you'll see me do like get all my meetings out of the way. Two o'clock, three o'clock, go to the gym, come back and switch over to hacking because it's just easier. And then I can, you know, I can have stuff happening. I'll, you know, I'll make food and you know, do something and then go back and forth for like, you know, four to six hours a day. But there's also wow. times when you're getting success that makes it harder though, right? Like there is tape, there's when I hit those huge bug bounty month that I was doing, there was no boundaries at all. It was eight o'clock, I was waking up, I was doing bug bounty things like for two hours, then doing calls, meetings, going to the gym, coming back, doing it in the just you know i'm just going to stir crazy because i'm so hyped over it those are the, the edge cases you know life i can give us an edge case for it but typically i try to have that shift where i do my day work just get all the boring tasks out of the way everyone's awake you know adam i work with he's in london so i have to wake up early to work with him sometimes right people that want to you know people want to people have nine to fives they want to meet with you they're not going to meet with you and you know they want to meet with you in the morning so prioritize those but then i do that you have to have that mentality shift and i also surprisingly don't even hack out of this room this is purely meeting content whatever really? interesting i like to sit, i said like crisscross applesauce headphones <laughs> in on the couch uh i don't care whether something's on the tv or not but no i have to sit on the couch comfortably with my feet like crisscross and just sitting there in like a position where i'm comfortable and just hacking from the couch I, I agree i was i was gonna say that i had a couple things i was gonna say but like that's true for me too like i find it even though i have like this really nice setup it's, it's very difficult for me to like feel comfortable hacking when yeah. i'm like in such a structured environment i feel like a lot of the time the best hacking that i do is when i'm just like sort of on the fly like ad hoc yep. i'm just sitting next to somebody or i'm just like chilling and i'm just like got my laptop pulled out or whatever and I just, i'm just like fiddling with stuff um yeah that, that, that's awesome the other thing i was gonna say um was how do you uh how do you manage like the uh the energy aspect of it because you mentioned like you start hacking at like three o'clock after like a day of like meetings yeah. and whatever and stuff for me Could i can be totally drained by three o'clock and like that's very difficult to to keep up the energy level and sort of like the mental stamina to to keep pushing after sort of like that hump in the day yeah um do you have like 
hacks that you use personally to get over that or or how do you how do you well it that? depends on the day right like you are going from a your daytime job where you have i'm sure you have someone you report to and people that report to you you have responsibilities that the the structure of a corporate job is different than when you work for yourself i feel like mm-hmm. because i don't have except for the couple people that work with me on my team i don't have to manage them right they, they have their projects. I do my part. They do their part. We're good, right? I don't have that mm-hmm. mental block of like, oh, I got to meet with my boss and explain the things that I've done this week because I'm responsible for them. No, I, it's me. You know, it's me and me. I, oh, let me call my boss. Can I get today off? Yep, you're off today, right? <laughs> That's a, the, the truth of it, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I make friends, I, I do this with my Dude, friends. Like, can you go? My can boss you do is this really on my ass right now. <laughs> but my buddies are like, we're hanging out like, hey, can you message your boss? Um, can you tell us if you can do this on Friday? I, I go, Hey, can you get today off? Oh, wait, I have Friday off now. Okay, cool. Dude. Like that's, the, uh, that's the that's the good thing about working for yourself, right? So, but it, is. it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that I don't have the days where like I have you know back to back meetings and then I have a really fucking hard day and I don't want to hack. I have those days and I go, eh, whatever. I'm not gonna hack today. Yeah. Like it well, happens. And that's because yeah. That that's the nice Life part about being. Are not included in that. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> but, no. Those yeah, those are a different yeah. animal. That's the nice part about being self-employed and particularly full-time bug bounty is I feel like if you're good enough at bug bounty, you can do that, right? Because you're making enough money yep. to yeah. say like, hey, I actually really don't feel like hacking today. And that was one of the mistakes I made earlier on in my in my full-time bug bounty career was like I was like getting on my own ass every single day if I wasn't out there, you mm-hmm. know, uh, hacking stuff. And then Mariah tells me one day she's like, Justin, you don't need to you know if you don't feel like hacking today just take the day off you know and and come back at it when you love it and when you're inspired by it and when you're you know hyped for it and you're going to get way better results um which i think is really true and i'm glad uh you know you've learned that lesson and uh it seems like absolutely man <laughs> From the way that you've described it, you have uh, you've managed the stress aspect of having the content and the hacking together really well, which is something I'm still I'm still trying to uh, to you balance out myself. You have to be gentle with yourself, man. Like only yeah. you know what internally you're going through. I'm I'm sure with like Mariah knows mm. a lot of it, yeah. but you know what's going on inside, right? There are days when I just even with life, I can give it. Sometimes I go, you know what? Fuck it. Worse is I don't find anything. Like I have to yeah. be okay yeah. with it. Yeah. It's not an easy shift. So when I went from a daytime job to working for myself, it was really hard because how do you, what is the, how do you measure that, right? How do you measure success yeah. with when you're not working a nine to five? You can't, right? It's really hard because, you know, you go, oh, yeah. if I don't make money, who do I blame? Or if I make more money, right? It's just, you have, you're the only one that is responsible. So you also have to have that relationship with yourself to be able to say, you know what? Today was a rough day and I just want to hang out and like watch movies or I just want to play video games or whatever that is. Yeah. My thing yeah. is a lot of times I try not to, so when I'm doing like these, I go through these sprints, right? I try to do like, I go, I'm going to do, I'm going to go grind out bug bounties for a while and then I'm going to be done for it. During those times, I tell myself like by eight o'clock, nine o'clock, try and just like disconnect and go play some video games or watch a movie, mm-hmm. watch a TV show or something. Mm-hmm. So about like, about like eight thirty, nine o'clock, if my friends text me like, hey, call of duty tonight, you know, fuck it. Yeah, I'm going to get on and play games with him. 100%. You have to be okay yeah. with having those because if you're not doing that, mm. um, that's how burnouts happen. What, like what, the reality of it is it's going to happen. What about weekends? Do you work on weekends or do you do you mostly take weekends off? Um, I don't have a concept of working. I've, I've tried to get rid of the concept of nine to five and weekday week, weekends. If I feel like Saturdays are the day I kind of do stuff, it's like I catch up on some stuff. Sundays, no, I don't work. Because mm. I, I tell myself, you need one day for yourself. And it's not 
to not work. I still work on Sundays. I make my thumbnails and like I put videos on Sundays, but it's not, you know, I'm not, I don't have a set schedule. Sundays is laundry day and maybe That's some great. bug brownies if I feel like it, like if, if I have, you know, if I have the time, but I want to have a day where I don't have a schedule. Monday through Friday, I have a schedule of like, I got to do calls and all these things. And then Saturdays, like it's a mix of both, but I'm not putting the pressure on myself to say, I have to work this Saturday. Mm-hmm. But if I go, oh, I kind of want to do this right now. It's work that I'm going to jump on and do it. So you want to have, you know, on my Sundays, it's a no play, but Saturday is like, I'm going to work. I have, I play chess on Saturdays every ah, Saturday cool. I go and play this guy at a, at a coffee shop. I met him randomly it, like two months ago. Now every Saturday I go play with him, but I make cool. that time. I go, okay, if you're working, at least take the time to go play chess with Roy, hang out with him and then go back to whatever you were doing. Nice. That, shout out to Roy. He will never watch so this, cool. but shout out to that. Shout out to, <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Roy. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Well, okay. So uh, this isn't a great transition, but I did want to talk a little bit about, cause you mentioned this in the beginning. Okay. Um, you mentioned that you saw like huge growth, uh, during one quarter, um, yeah. uh, of, of your, of your journey. And I guess this kind of does play, play a little bit with like the motivation and burnout aspects and stuff. Um, uh, I'm looking at this, this photo that you put in the doc here and, uh, this is, yeah, this you is had, bug bounty stats right now. You're looking at Rachel. I, yeah, bug bounty stats. Yes, bug bounty right. stats. I mean, this spike in Q3 is bananas, right? It's like twice your best quarter otherwise, like maybe even more than twice your best quarter otherwise. Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about sort of what, what happened there? Was there anything in particular that uh, changed that sort of created that? It, was it... Is it sustainable to keep at that pace? Like, t- tell me a little bit about what, what happened in Q3. Um, a lot of things happened. So in um, November of 2022 is when I left my job and mm. I was jobless. And it was more of a, okay, well, uh, time to find... I was thrown into like the, the dream that I had, like eventually working for myself, mm. not on my terms, but I was pushed to finally have to do this, right? Mm. So... Naturally, the first quarter, I'm just going insane. What am I going to do? You know, I want to, what am I going to work on? How am I going to make money? What am I going to do to like enjoy what I do? All that stuff. Q2 is, uh, so Q1 is just like planning, planning. These are my goals. I'm very much like goal oriented. Like I have to write yeah. out my goals and like, how am I going to achieve them? Uh, I wish I had this. Hold on. Let me show it to you. Uh, I have this journal. Uh, mm. If anyone wants to actually, you know, follow along and do this also, I really recommend it. Um, it's called the Best Self Journal, and it allows you to set up three goals. Uh, I'm not going to share those with you, but this is what a day-to-day looks like. It gives you this mm. page right here. It says today's goal, what you're grateful for, today's three targets, your to-do list, and Dude, what will make great. Mm. It is insanely cool. And let me see if I have an empty page of it. Uh, so I can show you how you can set up your goals. Um so it lets you set up goals and it says like, how do you, you know, what is this goal? What is the the milestones for it? And that's how you plan it. So every week you plan it and you put your goals right here and you go after it. I'm very much so I want to do this. So in Q2, it was just more of a get it together for bug bounties. Like, you, you know, if you wanted to do, if you want to make decent amount of money, bug bounties is probably the easiest way to do it where you can mm. make enough money to also not worry about your bills, but you are, you launch your company and do things. Q3 was when that came to reality because I started packing more on um, this bug bounty program. They did a life hacking event with HackerOne and I also started collaborating with people that I didn't collaborate with in the past. Like more yeah. seriously collaborate. And then finally finding the balance in Q3 between content, hacking, 
and what what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to do? I'm gonna at least be happy. So, I, you know, in the beginning of the year, I was happy. I told myself, if I make 80k this year, I'll be happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> <you> do. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a scary thing because I never done bug bounties like this, right? right. Bug bounties was never my source of income. It was mm. always like I knew it was doable. But I was just like, okay, if I, no, sorry, it's not fair to say 80k. 80k was what I could do to be comfortably living. So if I make sure. 80k, I can comfortably live and pay my bills and not be, you know, not be stressed. Yeah. But that's what happened in Q3. A lot of it. It was more of a figuring out the balance, figuring out the day to day that I told you. It's like, oh my god, this is working. You know, working on content in the morning, gym, and then hacking is working. Right. Collaborating right. with you know people like Zayed, Sean, and all these other people really helped. So it's just figuring that out and just saying, okay, I'm going to keep doing this until the wheels fall off. Yeah. Okay. So then when I look at the graph, uh, if I can just follow up on that, Mm. I then see Q4. Now Q4 was second best quarter of the year, but what, what did, did you sort of get more relaxed, like holidays and stuff? Like what was, did, you know, what, what was the difference? Because it sounds like you kind of had figured it, figured out in Q3. So I was expecting Q4 to be like the same or better, but I understand things happen. Well, no, with Q3. So I wasn't, you know, with, with this, specific program we'll call it um with this program i i was hacking on him before and uh, i wasn't taking it serious i was just like okay i'm gonna make some money and you know it's great they're giving me some money here and there cool i'm making you know a bounty every week cool but then h1702 happened and a lot of people think like at h1702 i was hacking on like some you know specific like app that no one had access to Half of it is correct. I found something that no one had access to. But also I realized like there is so much of this specific company that you can hack on that you can't even wrap your head around it. It's such a mm. ginormous company, mm. right? So Q3 is that realization. And then going from the H1702 event to Q4 is when I was like, okay, time to double down on this company. There's people are making a ton of money. Why can't I do the same thing? And mm. Vegas was an example of it. When I came out of Vegas, it was just, I wrote that high of Vegas for three months, dude. Mm. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's awesome. That, I mean, I know that you like you once you like you know you hit those goals, you're like, you know what? I'm going on a trip. I'm going to my birthday. <laughs> like all these things, and I was like, hell yeah, dude! So it's so well, well deserved. They, and I think you still actually like got a bunch more bounties after that too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but I just want to like, yeah. mention like it's it's a lot of figuring things out, like figuring out what worked, figuring out what schedule worked for me, figuring out like holy shit, I have this program that's paying a lot of money. So you yeah. can see the buildup. Q1, they paid me a little bit of bounty. Q3 is when I was like, holy crap, like this is the reality of it. I can make this money. You know, if I can make, you know, 30, 40K a month from this bug bounty program, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 100%. And, 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 and I think it shows as high, well. Dude. The, it shows as well, you know, it took you a year to crack that code. You know, you started in November, yep. 2022. And then, you know, Q3 uh, of, of 2023 is when this really, you know, started manifesting. And I'm looking at this chart as well. This is uh, the same chart that we talk about a lot. This is the submissions by severity or, or submissions, you know, in a quarter period um, from the Hacker One performance uh, tab. Uh, and yeah. I'm seeing almost all of these are highs. There's, there's almost yeah. no mediums and no lows and there's quite a few criticals but the overall the vast majority of these are highs um and i imagine that's because you sort of cracked the code on how to get a bug you know qualified as a high on and and that would really allow you to increase your earnings a lot because every little mistake they make now you figured out a way to work that into a high and you can repeat that success over and over again is that is that accurate it is but it's also how 
they perceive a vulnerability, like what mm. they why they what they consider as a high. Mm. But also a lot of times it's just connecting things, like saying, mm. okay, maybe like they call this the medium, but then you extend it to another application and you mm. can elevate that to a high, right? I'm trying to like talk mm. about these vulnerabilities <laughs> vaguely as I can. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a lot of times just knowing if you prove one case to them as a high, then everything else is considered as a high to them. It's the same root cause for them. But some of these bugs were also um, like things that I've never explored in the past. Like there are, there are a couple of things that I never thought I could find in this company. Mm. Uh, it's just going down a list of these vuln types and being able to go, I did this one, I did this one, I did this one, I did this one um, and going through it. Mm. Yeah, and and I'm looking at the other the other you know s- breakdown here submissions by weaknesses, and we're seeing a lot of XSS, seeing a lot of access control, and a lot of IDOR as well. Um, it, it, would you say that those are like you know the bread and butter for you as far as vulnerabilities goes? And then I know there's, XSS is such a, a big huge category. category. The yeah, yeah, but there's also the no weakness type because mm, a lot of those yeah. the no weakness ones are a chain of like different vulnerabilities, uh, and with the XSS ones. So like I'll give an example for the XSS ones. If you, so this is a mistake on my end. For example, if I RCE'd a desktop app because of the, with the cross-site scripting, the root mm-hmm. cause is through cross-site scripting. Mm. Yeah. Right? So That's there's true. a couple of those that are, you know, there's, I want to say there's like 10 of those that are like that. The root cause is still cross-site scripting. The reality is the cross-site scripting, but it's just how you exploit it and how you, you know, show impact to get more money. Um, mm-hmm. Some of them are like mobile related that I own the mobile app a couple of times, but mm. again, the root cause is cross-site scripting again. So sure. it's a lot of those things. It's just that comes through going to like finding out different contexts of vulnerabilities and how they work in different areas of the, you know, this company, mobile apps, web apps, desktop apps and stuff like that. Mm. Okay, this is this is a little on the spot. How many dupes did you get this year? Do you know? Mm. Um, actually, can I check for that? Let me see. Yeah, go 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 ahead and check on that. And and I think I think it's uh, I think it's interesting that you highlighted that piece about XSS because it is so so like you're able to do so much with it. You can you can escalate it in a web context. You can try to pivot it to a to a, a mobile app or to a, a desktop app. Um, and then even, you know, just within the web context, you have a lot of ways that you can exploit with getting access to session information, uh, co- cookie bombing. Like there's, there's just yep. very few other vuln types that you can chain as well as an XSS to achieve some crazy stuff. So with the duplicates on its loading, Mm. You have to think about uh, a bunch of them are duplicates of my own, du- like my own bugs also. Right, right, right. Okay. That's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> so it's two pages worth. I'm assuming it's 25 a page. Yeah, so one 50. page for 25. It's about less than 50. Wow. No, wait, okay. there's more. Actually, there's, it's a third page. Hold on. There's three pages. So about 50 to 75. Nice. But there is a vast, okay. there's a large number of them that's like, oh, you know, it's different functionalities, but you know, it's the root cause it's the same, but yeah, about 75. And I don't, uh, submission wise, I wish I had the number for how many I submitted, but I think I submitted a lot this year. Mm. Yeah. I think you That's can find awesome. that number, some, that number somewhere. And I think it would be interesting to see the dupe to dupe to, uh, valid. Let me see ratio. what my triage and, yeah, let me see what my, uh, my triage and resolves are. 
Yeah, or you can say one of the easiest ways to do it is to do uh, bounty awarded and then select you know that that date range within within the filtering settings there. Um, one forty six is my number of closed as resolved and triage right now for one one twenty three to one one twenty four. Wow, dude! So so you were reporting you reported like two hundred over probably over two hundred bugs in in uh, in twenty twenty three. Oh, 61 yeah. duplicates. There we go. The, cu- the number for customer is going to 61 duplicates and the 140 something. That was my valid triage. Yeah. So right about off. 200 and wow. Yeah, some uh, about 25, a little over 25%. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's pretty yeah. solid. That's amazing. So, so, you know, jumping off, off the back of that XSS piece, one of the, the technical, you know, sections that we wanted to talk about while you were on here is the blind XSS. Um, and I think that yeah. this is a, a category that not a lot of people specialize in. So it's cool to have you come on the show and say like, yeah, blind XSS is kind of my thing. Um, so can you talk a little bit about it as a vulnerability class, perhaps just provide an introduction to it. And then, um, we'll kind of dive into what kind of payloads you're using, what kind of platform, you know, using for that and custom mods to access payloads? So first of all, I don't consider myself to say Blank Cell is my thing. I've just happened to be very like blessed with it this year. Sure, sure, um, sure. Big portion of this also goes to, I gotta give a big shout out to Z Shano for this mm. specifically because he has uh, also pushed me a lot, or pushed my buttons also a lot <laughs> to find more and more Blank Cross scripting and just like bouncing ideas with me and you know just you know going to him and venting to him sometimes it's same thing with Zayed also I just gotta give them two two shout outs before I start but um, BlindSys is just the same as your regular stored XSS I want to say a lot of times it's stored more than reflected but the difference is instead of it happening on the front app that you see it happens on the back end where the company's uh, team sees it so think about you know if HackerOne had a back portal for example where you can see your reports you have a cost scripting payload that doesn't you know fire in the report section but it fires in HackerOne's back end funny enough if you look up I actually had that happen to HackerOne once no way while I was working there oh my gosh um, that's a- amazing <laughs> fire off an uh, internal network at Hacker One, uh, but yeah, it's just a lot of it is uh, you just learn that these companies make mistakes. They, the mistakes don't happen in the front end a lot of times. It happens in the back end because they go, well, no one's going to ever see this and we don't have to worry about it. And guess what? It does happen a lot more than you can expect. Mm, and, and so I, I, that exact rationale was what I wanted to talk to you about. How do you identify what pieces of information are going to end up in an admin panel somewhere? You know, where, where do you get so, those ideas? I think it's very, I want to say, it's, I don't want to say it's common sense, but it's just very mm. like, it's a thing that you think a company wants to collect on you, right? Yeah. So when you register, what matters to that? You That's your name, your email address, your address, uh, your credit card information in some cases, mm. anything that could identify you as a duplicate account, for example, like they can say these are the same user. So that could be your browser mm. information, for example, and things like that. And then... Things that could also trace as you, like when you have different websites and things like that, right? It's how do they identify you as a user and you as a browser or, um, you know, not the user itself, but like the the, I don't know, like the browser, for example, or the, mm. or the device. We'll say the device, for device. So those are the things that I look at, right? Those are the things that I always assume companies are collecting on you. But then also it goes the information that you put in to the company. So let's talk about... Um, Let's say like Spotify, for example, you guys mm. post your podcast on there, the mm-hmm. description, the the guest, the name of the, you know, you guys, mm-hmm. and those are also information that they collect. But they could, you know, people probably find those XSS early on in these are those programs, but they don't think about like, 
oh, I wonder if this fires here, is it going to also fire in the back end? And if it does, how do I get them to fire on that back end? Mm. Right? Those are the things that you have to figure out. You have to assume how do I go from A to B? Your A is I have access on the core app. How do I get to fire on the back end? How do I get this engineer, the support person without social engineering, naturally go click on it? Okay. So that's that's where I was going next with that. Was like, okay, so we've got an information, we've put it in, we're using a blind XSS payload that we can get a call back from. Yeah. How do we how are we going to be the one user that the support agent clicks on or the you know backend analytics admin clicks on? I'm laughing because I don't, want, I don't know how to say this. Tell I don't me, want man. to tell me. I know. I'm I, I know what to, you're going to say here. What you, Joel, what do you think I'm going to say? I want to see what you think. Oh, we can gosh. cut this out if we need to. No, but, go for uh, it. Go you, for you just you open a support chat and you say, "Hey, I'm having an issue with this thing." And you <laughs> no, send no, it a link and they click it. it. That, that is that is that is also that's a very good approach. But no, the I I don't want to promote committing fraud. I want to start with that. Yeah. But fraud detection is a big part of technology. <laughs> How do you get, what's the easiest way to get banned on a platform? Right? Like, what's the easiest way? What is the easiest yeah. way for them to be like, holy crap, who is this guy? What do we do? What do we do to get rid of this person? Right? Mm. That is the number mm. one step. It's uh, either fraud or too much traffic, things like, Hey, look at me like screaming, like ban me. I, number one step is get banned. Like sure. that's the first step. Like how do I get him to go ban me, right? This could be me reporting my own account with like 20 other accounts, for example. Oh my gosh. I can just great, do that, dude. right? Yeah. So what Joel said is it's, it's so first of all, please don't go and hassle support people. Yeah, but please don't do that to be but, real. Yeah. But listen, but there's a difference between saying, hey, I have a problem. It's a legitimate problem that causes an issue versus going like, hey, click on this thing. I'm never asking a support staff to click on a mm-hmm. link, but I am using the site like an actual like user. And I go, hey, I can't find this information. Where do I find it? And I go, oh, I still can't find it. I really can't sometimes because guess what? My page is broken. Like I have a script tag and that's broken. I'm not <laughs> lying to them. Right? So I asked them like, hey, could you set that information for me? That's It's a lightweight social engineering, but I try to avoid it as much as I can. A lot of times, a lot of this blind access that I'm getting nowadays isn't the support staff being included. It's me figuring out these companies, how their processes work and what mm. does it happen to get them to look into something I do. Whether it's like, you know, I put my credit card number in there, but the last digit is wrong. A lot of times with, um, when you order something online, for example, they process that manually. They check for your order manually sometimes, especially if you're a brand wow. new user. That's been one of the biggest things, dude. The number one thing that I used to do a couple of years ago was every single time, uh, John Botterini and I were sitting at um, in a hotel one day and John. I look at I him as John. I, jo- I love I love John. I, love I look John. at him. I go, John, you want to make a thousand bucks today? And he goes, What do you mean? I go, Let's make an order on this side. And he goes, What do you mean? I'm like, I'm banned, but I bet you if you put this on this website with a blind cross scripting in the address, the second address line, I promise you're gonna get cross scripting the way we wake up tomorrow. He looks at me. He goes, Bet we do it. The next morning we wake up. Sure enough, it's fine. No way. Fast forward. Fast forward to five years later, this is this quarter, this last quarter, I call him again and I go, John, do you want to make some money, buddy? He's like, what do you got this time, Ben? <laughs> and I go like, you have an account on this particular site that I want to use. I'm banned. Can you just go and do this? He goes, well, I have a problem with my account. I'm like, perfect. That's even better. Can you try this? 
Sure enough, tries it. Another black cross scripting starts off. Wow. It's just getting an understanding of how these companies work. What requires them to manually have someone click on your page, mm. and then you assuming this is the information they're going to see about. I, I'm I'm wondering is is there any merit to sending your your cross like say it's like uh, some sort of logging endpoint or something like that. Is yeah. there any merit to sending it on a uh, like a time-based basis. Okay. Like every five minutes, we're going to send another one through. Um, and, and because whenever somebody first opens up the admin portal, you know, there's always going to be like sort of like a page, uh, paginated list yeah. or something like that. And if you land in that first, you know, 25 or whatever, then you might get in that, in that front area. Have you ever thought about that or any, uh, tried anything like that? I haven't that? done it on purpose because when you do stuff in the Katai manner, it's a little bit mm. spammy and it is spammy. I, it's the last thing I want is, but I've had that happen a couple of times. A couple of like fun ones is um, it asks you for like a note. Sometimes I put in the note, it doesn't fire. It doesn't even fire on their back end. They copy my note into an internal net, into the internal app no. for them to track, and then it fires. Right? I've seen that happen before. <laughs> Dude. Um, the, the typical like in my email was a fun one. One of the really cool one was a website. Um, my password was a blind cross scripting payload. No, it was not. Uh, oh that fired gosh. once. That, this is just me copy pasting the same thing for my name, you know, email, <sighs> everything. And then the, the password was clear text. Plain text. Clear text no yeah. way. That's ridiculous, uh, man. That one hasn't happened. This was like eight, nine years ago. This was like, no, not, yeah, it's, uh, 2015, 2016. So yeah. six, seven years ago wow. it happened. Um, it's just, it's just, you know, you never know, right? You never know. There, there's a couple of times where it's fired off in a um, engineer's like local machine because they downloaded everybody's feedback and they were ah, parsing it. That's crazy. That's so cool. And, and, and so with that, I kind of want to ask, how do you track where your payload source was because what, what always happens to me when I do blind XSS is all is all tight, you know, throw this payload in there and then I'll get a callback. And then I'm like, shit, where did I put that in a form somewhere? You know? And then well, how let do me I ask it? you a question. What are you doing for tracking? What are you using? Like a cost? Are you using like a XSS hunter? Yeah, I'm just using XSS hunter, normal okay. XSS hunter. Question number trouble. two. If you give, oh, okay, that's why. Oh, I don't know how that works. Um, I don't know if Truffle allows you to do this. Can you give it a path? What, what do you, oh, yeah. yeah, like a specific path at the end? Oh, no, that's so you can say, you yeah. your own path. You only get one path. Yeah. Oh, uh, so see, this is what I do. I have my own domain. Yeah. Uh, if you go to the London event, it was spammed everywhere. I think people were like trolling <laughs> me at some point. Um, <laughs> so I started deleting it, but I have a domain that is not a, it's a, it's a cost site, it's a XSS Hunter. Um, JavaScript without the backend of XSS Hunter. So it's just a JavaScript that they have. Yeah. Um, and it, it just hooks into a PHP file and that PHP file is what processes the entire, like when it fires, right? That's the backend is a PHP file. That's like garbage. It's actually written by ChatGPT. I shit you not. Oh and my then gosh. The, the, the front end of it, I have a HTT access rule in, a, uh, in there that catches every single path you give and it serves that javascript file if it if it's not valid so my 404 is that js file that mm. pops up so when i do a cost you know when i do a blind xss i do domain.com slash whatever i want to make a note of so the note could be first name and profile that's an invalid path so when it fires it fires with uh my js file and it shows me where it's at 
but a lot of times it's also easy to track because it, you know it's something like your name or you know your password and things like that it's obvious uh, the feedback ones are always the hardest one to track, but a lot of companies don't care where it came from because they know where it came from. Mm, yeah, right? they so they know where it came from. That's that's really crazy. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine in scenarios where developers are like copy and pasting your data into different applications or something like that. How you trace it back to the source? It has to be done on the company side, I imagine. That one was a hard one because. Um, yeah, if there were some issues with that one, I'd be like, oh, well, you messaged RT. I'm like, no, I didn't message anybody. They copy-pasted this, dude. And I'm like, I did not you know, say this to them. And it turned out it was a note that I left. They copied the note into their internal app and then it yeah. fired. Wow. That, that's that's crazy, man. What a, what a crazy hacking story. Yeah, I know the, I know your XSS Hunter instance because uh, I know Mr. Sam McCreary likes to use it. And uh, <laughs> I, I have oh, my that's own not mine. That's not mine. That's not mine. The only person that uses that mine not- is... No, I think that's uh, X. That's not mine. That's X's. I okay. also use that domain. You must domain be using sometimes. your script because I was be, yeah. looking through it and there's like a bunch of like Nahamsek references in the JS. <laughs> it like... could be. It could be that uh, they're using a version of it. I shared that with everybody in you guys' group. Like I have yeah, no yeah. problem with using it because it's not something I wrote. It's also like I also saw Sean using it a specific way. I incorporated mm. it in mine. But the biggest thing that I have is the the PHP file on the backend and. Uh, <laughs> me and Zayed have a um, I can't actually say the name of our bot but I'll send you guys the name of the bot later but we have a bot that we have created. I almost said the name it could have gotten me in a lot of trouble but uh, we have it's the the name of the bot is the name of the CEO of the company okay, okay? <laughs> so, so we have a we have a and then the, the team has also seen this bot when I screenshot it for That's them. That's so funny. Uh, we have a we have a bot that um, it just says like, "Hey everyone on uh, on Discord, it's at everyone new blind contact scripting," and it gets the URL from that report, and then also links to the report that I have. It's a text file. I store mm. it all on my server. It's password protected. You know, we have to have a c- credential to log yeah. into it, and I just go look at it and then analyze it and things like that. That system is one of the most fucked up addicting things I've ever done because when I was getting a lot of <laughs> blank scripting suit, I was waking up at 5 a.m. rolling over and looking at my phone to see if a new one popped mm. up. And then when you yeah. see it pop, then you can't go back to sleep. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. So, yeah, dude, I just set up my own XSS Hunter and um, I saw how yours was set up because I thought it was like standard. And I really, I really like it because I'm going to set up something to do the same thing with like the path catch all and the subdomain yeah, catch all. It's but here's a huge... um, here's one more thing I gotta tell you guys with like just cross site scripting in general. I by default just use my blind XSS um, payload everywhere because it also helps me track where these fire. And then there's been times when somebody finds some like anomaly somewhere where they're browsing the website and it fires. Like it didn't fire mm. for me. Right, like mm. on this app, and then they found uh, some weird page that I had embedded, and it fired, and like I get the notification now. And like you go with the mobile app, that sometimes the mobile pages are different, right? The path of the mobile page is different than what you saw on the web app, mm. and then you get a whole new place of like testing. So always, always use that for that yeah. reason. That that makes a lot of sense. What about CSP? And and, and I want to come back to that CSP thing, but r- real quick, yeah. I, this compares or this is sort of contrast with what we said before about using, you know. H1 tags for your for checking for XSS versus spraying around all of these uh, blind cross-site scripting payloads that by nature of cross-site scripting have to have some sort of callback, either a JS or just an external resource callback. Yes so and no. How do you balance the two? 
So yes and no. So mm. when I'm looking for blind cost of scripting, yeah, that whole that whole methodology is out the window because okay. I'm assuming it's gonna fire somewhere, right? When I'm looking mm. for cost of scripting, if it fires, then I go, okay, now how do I get it to go from blind, from excesses to blind excesses? But when I there's a so how do I explain this? There's times when I know most of these companies are there's behavior you observe on an application sometimes when you can tell somebody has reported a cross scripting here because now they're filtering specific tags, right? But what they fail to do is look for blind cross scripting now. So mm. now my objective is just solely blind cross scripting. And with blind XSS, you, you, you don't know. You just put your payloads in. But then what becomes interesting with blind XSS is the assumptions you have to make with the context of where your payload is going to end up. So I'm not mm. just putting a image tag or a script tag or I don't know whatever tag yeah, you want what to call the it. I'm also like? thinking yeah. about right. No, no. What is the what is the where is this going to get indexed on the back end, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, is if if my name is being shown to me on my profile in in a you know it's not in a text area, right? More than likely, where they see it is in an input field or in a in a, in a box in a text area because mm -hmm. they have the ability to edit that. Right. Mm. So with that in mind, I have to think about where that's gonna show up. Right. If if I can't put a no, I can't if I if I can close the HTML tag in an input tag, should I just add an event handler, for example? Like I have to think about all these different things, right? So you have to think where do I put these? Do I put them before? Do I put them after? Does the so does the for the input tags, do I put it before the, my actual payload? Do I close it first? There's all these different things you gotta think about. So are are you doing that in, intelligently? Like are you thinking, okay, this is where yes. this is gonna okay, you are. You're not just using like a polyglot yes. that uh, has, you know, no. end text area. Okay, wow, that's that's really interesting. And you I had test a lot of success so with that. I test out this, yeah, I test out the I test out the theories, right? Like mm. First of all, like this is a, I don't know if this is unethical, but mm. it is the reality of it. When you, when your blind cost of scripting fires, you have an advantage, mm -hmm. right? Because you have the entire DOM of that page that you can look at. I'm not saying look for, you know, like ways to like export other vulnerabilities, but mm -hmm. look at how that backend is created, dude. Mm -hmm. Are they Absolutely. using a lot of like text areas? Are they doing a lot of like, what is the way they store data? And chances are they reuse the same templates everywhere, right? Mm. So you have the advantage, you know, this is what the backend looks like once one fires. And you see the, you know, where does my data go? Is it always going to be, you know, in a title? Is it going to be in a script tag? Like, where is it going to go? You yeah. have that advantage. Now. That that makes a lot of sense. Joel, swinging back around to the um, CSP-related question. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was going to ask. So you mentioned that for blind XSS, you use... Um, XSS Hunter, you know, payload or whatever. Yeah. Um, By the way, shout out to Mandatory I, for that. We gotta give him a big shout out. Yeah, yeah. Huge. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's been like, what, a decade now and it still works? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Game changer. Um, yeah, so crazy. Um, but one thing that that I that has always sort of puzzled me around how to exploit that successfully is the whole CSP aspect. Yeah. Which is that basically, like, you're inserting an arbitrary script tag into a page. And even nowadays, like, script tags especially loading from a url oftentimes will just get hit by you know blocked by csp or they just don't work in general why does it seem to sort of work in the blind xss context i don't think a lot of these like so I, first of all like with csp one is like i don't know if csp is there like i don't even know if it's fine I don't even know if it's fire. I'll do that one more time. <laughs> now you know we have been on for a while. But um, yeah, yeah. no, like with the context of it, like 
you, you, you never, so I don't know if it's a CSP, I'm never going to see it. It's not going to fire. Not my problem, really. I'm not going to dwell on it. Mm. A lot of times, I don't think companies, maybe like Facebook and Google and all these companies implement CSP on their internal stuff, but I don't think a lot of companies care. The whole thing is, no one's going to see it. It's in our, you know, it's in our private network. Threat no one's going to have to it. Why bother? Threat mm. model is different. Yeah. So a lot of times, I've never, you know, I've, any there hasn't been a company that I've tried blind access on, you know, minus the the fan companies, for example. Mm. Um, most of those fan companies, at least, like you know, the big ones, they don't have this problem, right? Mm. But with the, the smaller ones, hasn't been a company where CSP was an issue. Where I thought there's a CSP for some of those companies, when there is a CSP in the front end, you can assume that there is going to probably be CSP in the back too. But that also turns out to be not true in some cases. So. Yeah. Um, there is a graph I would like to do is the, the, the more you F around, the more you find out. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, that's great. Uh, that's what I've done with bug bounties, dude, with like blind access. The more you fuck around, the more you find out. So you have nothing to lose to do that. You have nothing yeah. to lose to go report yourself as, as a spam or as a fraud or, you know, your whatever it is, like reporting, for example, is a big one of those mm. things. You're not yeah. gonna it's not gonna hurt. The only thing you have is to gain. Worst case is you lose your account, you make another one, dude. That 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 makes sense. And then and then from the CSS or CSP front, you know, I'm wondering if it would make sense ever to submit more benign blind XSS payloads like an image tag or like a like a uh, you know style tag or or something that's not necessarily yeah. going to to get caught in the script source area of the of the CSP. And I know recently um, uh, Gareth Hayes and the Portswigger team released a, uh, a sort of a blind CSS injection framework where yep. you can exfiltrate, you know, all nice. of the contents of the inputs and text areas and stuff like that. Um, do you have any theories on that? Do you have any experience with non-JS executed blind XSS? The, the thing with non-JS executed is sometimes you only have one shot to get this blind XSS to fire. That's true. I think you both know I, I like to gamble once in a while. And <laughs> I would rather just gamble on the XSS popping up than worrying about CSP. Because my only worry with that is if I get um, you know an image tag, for example, to pop up and whatever it is, right? Then you have to prove to them that you also have JS to work. Mm. I don't yeah. want to go down that path of like you know having to go through triage and telling them why this is vulnerable and then explain to that engineer why this is vulnerable. Some companies don't get it, so I'm going to gamble the fact that the JavaScript is going to execute and I have no CSP issues. And when I if I do, then screw it, I don't get paid for it, and I I just never know. Mm. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Well, that mm -hmm. that, that was a, a positively intriguing conversation surrounding blind XSS. I'm very interested in this, and and I'm, and and you know, I, I had a phase of like, oh, I'm finding a lot of blind XSS, and then I stopped looking for it. And then it, it's great to talk with people, you know, uh, about these sort of vulnerability types because it gets you re-excited for it again. And uh, yeah. I know there was a phase where everyone was kind of putting them in their user agent, and then all of the the freaking. Uh, you know, wafts and, and stuff started blocking everybody. And it was like, ah, this is just kind of a pain. And it fell off the, the map for me. But uh, this is definitely something I'm going to reintegrate into my workflow again. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, um, I don't think blind access is going to go anywhere for mm. as long as access is around. Mm. I don't think the blind ones are going to go anywhere. So yeah. it's still an issue. It's, you know, it's, I, I just want to like, you know, 
preface if you are looking for XSS, it's better to just use your own Black XSS payload than just mm. a vanilla exploit because it also allows you to track and everything else that it yeah. just makes your life so, easier. So just just for the listeners, because we we had that all over the place in that conversation, the setup that you've got is a, a JS file that XFills data out. Yep. You stole that from the uh, you know mandatory payload or XSS whatever. Hunter. Yeah, XSS right. Hunter. And then you've got a PHP file, a custom PHP file that will parse that out on your own server, break that into a report, Correct. hit a, a Discord callback, and that report is is you know hidden behind basic auth or whatever, so nobody can just log in and see the report. Yep. Wow. Absolutely. I'll try That's to see if I can send it visual so you can also put it in the in the um, yeah. at the bottom right here somewhere. Yeah, I would I would I would love to do that. Um that 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 sounds like a really good system and something that would be really worthwhile doing. And then the the other thing that I, I wanted to ask about that specific thing is custom as far as customizations to the payload goes, are you exfiltrating uh, local storage and uh you know anything you can you can get access to beyond the normal payload or um, Exilion has been trying to push me to do that a lot more. Yeah. I haven't done any local storage stuff. Mine is I just, can send you mine. That'd be I, cool. I, but I yeah, mine is... Um, yeah. The only thing that I have on there is I, I modify at the bottom. I sometimes have like a you know an alert sometimes or also yeah. I have it like for mobile apps, I have it dump stuff specific for that app. Uh, but no, the vanilla itself is just... It's just commented out though. Like I take it out sometimes or I put it back on or I comment it out, whatever it is. But just I want to... The reason why I want to... Um, tell you guys that again use this with everything that you test for XSS wise because A it helps you track all your volumes so if mm, you want to go mm. back to them and see if you can bypass them you have that mm. in the context of other applications devices um, there's right. been a time where it happened on a device and I only had one shot at this happening on the device like it, it popped up on an actual like physical device. It wasn't a mobile app. It wasn't, it was an actual like hardware. It popped up on there, right? And I couldn't modify the payload, but guess what? Because it was my JavaScript file, I could modify it all I wanted to. Mm. So that gives you a huge advantage. The, mm. the whole thing with XSS is sometimes you get one shot, you know, and if it happens on a device, for example, you can't modify that, but you can modify your JavaScript payload. Mm. So keep that in mind when you do it. That's awesome. Yeah, the, the, that was excellent with regards to blind XSS. I'm hype about that. And the last thing that we wanted to cover, because I know we're, we're into the, uh, into the, well into the hour and a half mark here, but you know, the, the intriguing ones always go a bit long. Um, is uh, we wanted to discuss the going the extra mile on a bug bounty program yeah. to set up your environment. And this is something yeah. that we talk about on the pod quite a bit. You know, we, we say pay the extra money to go and get the premium feature, you know, go yeah. through the rigorous signup process. You need to get everything set up. Um, could you tell me a little bit about your experience with that and why that's such a pivotal part of your, your methodology? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times like going the extra mile could be the premium. It could be. Mm. Um, so like, I know a lot of people are scared of like, oh, I don't want to give him my ID because what if it gets hacked? Like, I get that. Like, I'm with you. But there's been times when I've like ID verified myself and I've yeah. gone open up to so much more stuff. I've sat on like um, onboarding calls. Uh, I've sat on like QA calls, like the customer service calls. Yeah. Uh, you name it, dude. Like it helps. The yeah. other thing is like it also goes as far as like customizing your um, instance, right? Like. Mm. Uh, some of these companies everything. allow you to like configuring mm. everything, yeah, or styling mm. everything, and uh, you know, there's all of these. Like, the more you give them, unfortunately, that's the reality of it. The reason, first of all, there's two things: one, they want your money, or they want your data, mm. right? Like, they want your money because you want to purchase something, so you pay them. They open up more stuff. Sometimes it's expensive, so you yeah. can't pay for it. 
Um, you can ask the company to give it to you. But then the other one is like, sometimes I want you to verify. Like Airbnb is a big one. You can't be a host without giving them your ID and stuff. A lot of hackers stop at that phase because I don't want, you know, what if my company gets hacked? I don't want to have my information. I don't want to have my social. But you have to do those things because it opens up a lot of more stuff. Um, but also keep in mind of like, again, I want to say the whole like the ROI of your time. If you are, if a company is maybe giving you 1000 for a critical, maybe not worth it unless you're yeah. like, you know, ask instead of, you know, you're going to maybe go for a quantity of criticals, then this, that is worth it. But if a company is like 25K max or even 10K max, right, that is still worth it. Serious that is money. Uh, the return in your time. You know, there was a company that I hacked on that required me to uh, send them a bunch of letters. Like I had to actually ship letters to them. And I, I spent like three days at the post office no with way. this company, dude. Oh my gosh. I did it and it, it, it gave that in a really good bug, right? Um, my tax documents right now, every year I get them as a script tag inside of it. Like, because I went into this company as my taxes on a bug bounty program. I paid them to my taxes one year. I did all that stuff, right? I've gone as far as like opening retirement accounts with particular companies. No so way, that's more, amazing. So like, it's not that I'm like, you know, I'm trying to, I think about it, I go, oh, I'm going to retire. Uh, I'm going to open a retirement account, right? Who should I do it with? I think about these companies that are big, that have a bug money program that mm. I can also test out, mm. right? Yeah. There's also, uh, you you want to invest money, like all these different things. Like think about it. Like it's always the mentality of how you are a hacker too. I'll, I'll never forget this time where you and I were collaborating on a, uh, on a target where you could open up a credit card with this target. And ah, uh, you, you yeah. gave me access to your, <laughs> to your credit card. You're like, here, just uh, log a, into my account. I had account. a credit card. <laughs> yeah. I had their most expensive credit card. I had their checking account. And like two other services with him too, dude. And yeah. I didn't open up their most expensive credit card because I wanted it. It was because of that event, dude. Yeah. And I really wanted to see what that and company I, and, had. And I was like, I was like, dude, why the heck are you doing this? And but at the same time, I was telling you like about all of these uh, you know, benefits I was getting from signing up for these, you know, credit cards and then, you know, doing the point <laughs> hacking thing. And you're like, bro, you know, if we find one bug, you're gonna get so much more value out of this than all of these like credit card hacking points yeah, things you're doing. The, so. the maximum thing you pay, the maximum you pay for a credit card is like seven hundred dollars a year a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. seven hundred is probably the one that I pay, pay the most. The maximum bounty you can get from a company that size is what, like 15, 20K? Yeah, for sure, at least. Right? So, I mean, also like the, the chicken count is free, so who cares? The credit card, I wanted that credit card at some point yeah. and then the program pushed me. But those are just like things to think about, right? Like yeah. if you're making an order with a company that's a bug bounty program, think of like, oh, what else can I do with this? Um, so yeah, that's like the biggest thing to it, man. Like you just gotta think about like, I'm gonna make this decision for my personal life. Obviously, don't base it all on your bug bounty experience. But right. if you have the option and you think, you know, you're deciding between two companies, one has a bug bounty program, I'm going to go with that one so I can also test it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can test it. And also just because you know it's going to be more secure as well, you know, like people are in there testing on it every day. So there's there's value to that. Um Ben, dude, this has been legendary, man. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this knowledge. And and I'm so glad to see the, you know, completed rise from from the low lows to the high highs after after doing, you know, half a million bug bounty and really crushing the video scene and seeming much more happy and, and stable. And uh, it's really it's really inspiring, man. Yeah, of course. And kudos to you guys for, you know, making such a good podcast and staying consistent and bringing you know so many amazing guests yeah uh, thank you guys for having me and i'm excited to see what else you guys put out for sure thanks man yeah, absolutely dude yeah that's the pod. peace